Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. This week I was the recipient of grace. I had scheduled to meet with someone uh, in the church for coffee, and uh, I had looked forward to it. I had planned it. I had it on my schedule. I looked at the week, and I said, okay, that's the day. That's the time. I knew it was 1130 on Tuesday, and then Tuesday came, and I got going. I got in the office early. I got going with work. I had a couple of meetings and phone calls, and all of a sudden, I looked up, and it was noon. And I went, oh, what did I do, right? And so I, without even thinking, I mean, I just grabbed my stuff and said, I got to leave. I'm late for a meeting and rushed out the door and got in my car and picked up the phone and tried to find the number and was fumbling for it. And I just felt so bad. And I thought, maybe, maybe he's still there. Maybe I didn't miss him. Maybe he's still there only to find out that he'd waited as long as he could and had to leave. And I thought, oh, I feel so bad. This is just terrible. Anybody ever made a mistake like that? Yeah, I was wrong. I was in the wrong, and, uh, and, and when I picked up the phone, I, I could have easily received, man, you know, you stood me up. What kind of pastor are you? Man, that's terrible. How could you do something like that? You mean you didn't keep track of your time? You didn't send up a reminder? I, I should have received a tongue lashing, but I didn't. Instead of a tongue lashing, I received grace. I received, you know, pastor, it happens to everybody. It's okay. It happens to everybody. These things happen. We'll just reschedule. It's okay. I was the recipient of grace. How many of you love when you receive grace? Yeah, we just love when we receive grace. I love to receive grace. I deeply regret that I had, had stood up my friend. I deeply regret that. But the grace and forgiveness that I was shown is something that means so much. And friends, if it means so much to us, uh, then it ought to be something that we show to others. And uh, today, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about mercy and grace. We've been talking about mercy and grace, and we focused on how much mercy and grace we've received from God. In fact, our very definition of grace is that it is unearned, undeserved, the unmerited favor of God. It is a gift. It is, as we said, free, 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 right? Grace is free. It can't be earned. You can't work for it. It's free. And God's grace is benevolently, just benevolently great. It is awesome. And we have focused on that. And last week, we focused on the sufficiency of God's grace. How many know that God's grace is sufficient for whatever needs you have? When you're feeling tempted, God's grace is sufficient for you. When you're feeling tired, God's grace is sufficient for you. When you're troubled, God's grace is sufficient for you. How many are grateful for the grace of God? So when we receive the grace of God, how many know that Scripture also tells us that we have a responsibility to grace? There's a responsibility to grace. Now, how many of you know that, that in this life you get dinged sometimes, you get hurt sometimes, things happen, right? Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11 says this, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. To one's glory to overlook an offense. I don't know about you, but today, I think we live in the most offended culture there is. Everybody's offended by something. People get their feelings hurt all the time. 
You, you can't help but see that somebody says something and all of a sudden there's an attack. There, there is a, oh, you've offended, oh, you've hurt me. Families have been divided over little things that have caused offense, right? Communities have been divided over little things that come up as an offense and those things build up because we are so offended. Our nation right now is divided because we are a highly offended culture. You can't disagree with someone and just simply say, I have a different opinion from you without them taking offense to the fact that you didn't agree with them. And the Bible talks about this area. And how many know that the church has been broken and split because somebody got offended over offense? So today, we have a choice to make. And we're going to take a look at that because all of us face opportunities to get offended. And all of us get hurt at times. And all of us have things where somebody does something that hurts us. So what do we do with that? How do we handle that? How should we handle that? As we continue our series, Amazing Grace Today, Recipients of God's Grace, Peter asked this very question. In Matthew chapter 18, he asked a very general question, but actually the question probably reflected something specific that we just don't know the details of in his life. And we get to hear the question that he asked Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21, that says this, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me. And then he says this, up to seven times. So in other words, they sin against me not once. I forgave them once, but then they came and they offended me again and they hurt me again. And well, I offended them again. How many times do I have to forgive? That's in essence of what he's saying. And he gives his own answer seven times. I think we can all agree that, that forgiveness is the virtue that we most enjoy, but least employ. Right? We, we love to be forgiven. I talked about it in the beginning, but sometimes we resist or refuse to forgive others. We're kind of like the little boy who was saying his prayers and he's going down the list and he's praying for his family and he asked God to bless them, but he omitted his brother's name. And so his mom catches him and she says, hey, I noticed that when you were praying for the family, you didn't pray for your brother Cliff. And so he says, well, you know what? I'm not going to ask God to bless Cliff because Cliff hit me. He hit me, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to ask him. I'm not going to ask God to bless him. And his mother said, well, don't you remember? Jesus says that we, that we have to forgive. You, you, we have to forgive our enemies. And the little boy said, well, that's just the trouble. He's not my enemy. He's my brother. Sometimes the people that are closest to us that hurt us, it, it hurts more. It's much more difficult to forgive those that are close to us that hurt us. And and Peter, man, he's talking about, I'm not just, you know, I'm going to offer grace. I'll offer forgiveness. It's not that I don't want to forgive. But Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive an offense? How many times do I have to do it? And, and he comes up with this up to seven times. I mean, he thought he was pretty big stuff. Where did he get that from? Well, they got that because the ancients would teach and the, the religious leaders would teach is that God only forgives up to three, maybe four times. And then after that, judgment comes. You say, where did you get that from? Well, they would look and they would misrepresent a scripture that's found in the book of Amos, uh, a, a prophecy in Amos chapter 1 and verse 3, where there was a formula that was used where God would say, for three sins, even four, and then after that, judgment is going to come upon such and such a city. 
And so they would teach that you had to forgive somebody three times and you were extra gracious if you extended mercy a fourth time. But after that, you were allowed to, to enlist judgment upon them. You were, you were allowed to, you didn't have to forgive them again. That was enough forgiveness because that was, that was God's limit. And so at seven, he thought, I got a different kind of math. Here's Peter's math. Peter's math is, well, if they're saying three, maybe four, I'll just double three, six, and I'll add one more for good measure, seven. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. But as we're going to see here, Jesus begins to answer with a different kind of equation. And how many remember that Jesus' math is different than our math? Jesus math. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, Jesus math. We love when it's Jesus feeding the, the, the 5,000 with, with five loaves and two fish, and, and, and he gets 5,000, remainder 12. How many of you love that kind of math? Well, Jesus math works both ways. This is what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. 70 times seven. That's 490 times. You mean I got to forgive somebody 490 times? You mean they can do something to me and I forgive you and do something to me and I forgive you up to 490 times? Friends, the number is not what's important here. What Jesus is trying to get at when it comes to this and bring to our, uh, our situation, the question is not how often do we forgive somebody, but rather there's a deeper matter in between. And that is the foundation of why I should forgive at all. The question that Jesus is about to answer in the story that he's about to tell, the parable that he's about to tell, is not about a number of times that we forgive, but rather a foundational reason in which we should forgive at all, in which we should offer grace at all. Matthew 18, 23, and 24, Jesus uses this parable to illustrate his point, and he begins like this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, so this is a kingdom principle. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now I want to pause for a moment because in this story we have a king and the king is one who would give loans. The king is one who would benevolently give loans and there was somebody that had 10,000 bags of gold that they, that they owed to the king. Now you may look and go, 10,000 bags of gold, that's a lot of gold. In the equivalent of today, about 10 times our economy, that'd be like $150 million dollars. $150 million. This is, this is a lot. And in the story of this, the people that are hearing this story are thinking, my goodness, nobody can ever pay a debt like that. The other thing they're thinking is, who would lend that much? Who would lend that much? So it, it gives us a picture of a king who's, who's very benevolent, a king who is very giving, a king who is one who extends a lot and gives a lot, who is very benevolent. But the other side of this is, is that there is an accounting that is coming. And so he could not repay. So Matthew 18, 25 highlights this in the next verse. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that they had be sold to repay the debt. Sold. 
We're talking about selling people. And you say, wow, what is this? You have to understand the cultural aspect of this. This, isn't, this has nothing to do with race. This has nothing to do with that. This is what they would do in culture. When you owed somebody so much, then you could be sold to work it off and to pay the debt. You could put yourself into slavery to be able to pay back the debt. This was a part of how the economy worked at that time. And so the king says, okay, you can't pay it back. I'm going to collect on what I have, and here's what I can do. I can sell all of your possessions. Everything you have becomes mine. I'm going to sell it all, and I'm going to sell you, your wife, your children, your family, and I'm going to get what I can for that to try to pay back the debt because the debt is so large. And not just about slavery, but here's what, here's what the parable really represents. The parable represents our standing before God. You see, God is the king in this parable. God is the king in this parable. He is benevolent. He is patient. He is extending grace. He is the king in this parable. But here's the thing. When we stand before God, we are going to have to give an account. There is a ledger of our sin that continues to be tallied up. The debt of sin that we have is being racked up before God. Think about it. Every lie, every half-truth you told goes on the ledger. Rack, rack, there it is. Right? Every word of gossip on our lips, another tally on the ledger. Every moment of a lost temper, every moment of an angry outburst, there it is. Tally it up, add it to your sheet, right? Every angry word spoken, every, every, uh, every lustful look, every coveting glance, every selfish response. What is the point that Jesus is making? That like the servant, you and I have racked up a debt before God. A debt that is so great that no matter how much we try to work, no matter how many good deeds we try to do, no matter what we try to make up for, the debt is just too great and we cannot pay it back. Scripture says that one day you and I are going to give an account to God for the ledger of sin that we have. In fact, Hebrews 4.13 says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. You think you're hiding it. You think you're getting away with it. Guess what? Your wife may not know. Students, your parents may not know. They may not know what you did last night, but God knows. Your wife may not know what you did over the weekend. Your husband may not know what you did. Your brother, sister, your boss may not know what you're taking taken home with you that you think you don't get paid enough, but you deserve. But God knows. Nothing in all creation is hidden. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Friends, just like in the story, there's an accounting day that is coming. One day we will stand before God. One day we will give an account. And like this servant, as we stand before God, the ledger of our debt for our sin is just too great. So what does the servant do? And what will we do? When the servant confronted with his huge debt, Matthew 18, 26, says at this time the servant fell on his knees before him and said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. 
Come on, just be patient. Just give me a little more time. Just give me a little more time. Just be patient with me. I'll, I'll pay back everything. But you see, the master already knows that the servant has no way to pay it back, that there is absolutely no way. So here's the recourse. Either I show no mercy whatsoever and I do what I said I was going to do. I'm going to sell you and lock you up and you're going to be a slave the rest of your life. You're going to be a servant the rest of your life because of the debt that you have. You're going to be punished. Or I could continue to be patient, extended, and let you continue to rack up more debt that you'll never be able to pay off. Or there's one more possibility. And this is what is nothing short of mercy and grace. Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Can you imagine I don't know what your debt load that you're carrying on your credit card is right now. I don't know how much the mortgage is that you owe on your home. I don't know how much the lease payment or, or the debt you owe on your car or the student loan debt. Can you imagine getting a call and the, 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 the president of the bank calls you and says, you know what? Your debt is canceled and forgiven. And you know what? You don't even owe as much as you will owe when you stand before God for your sin. And the servant had this big, huge debt. And instead of saying, okay, no, I'm showing no pity, he receives grace and mercy, and the debt is canceled. Woo! Right? The debt is canceled. It's the picture of forgiveness. Why? Not because, not because he paid it off, but because, because the master was willing to just cancel the debt. But you see, for, for you and I, you and I, our debt of sin, when we come to Jesus Christ, when we come to God with our sin, if we say, please forgive me, I, I, I can't pay it off, I don't know what to do, and we put our hope in Jesus, guess what happens? It's not just that the sin was canceled, but rather it is that it was redeemed or paid for. By who? By Jesus on the cross. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption. How many have ever redeemed a coupon before? Redemption, Jesus is our coupon. Redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance, look at this, with the riches of God's grace. That's the riches. That is the riches of God's grace. Our sin debt has been erased, not by our merit, not by our goodness, not by our works, but because Jesus Christ paid the debt in full. Woohoo! The ledger has been erased. And that's something to get excited about, right? And that's where the parable ends. No, it doesn't. No, it takes a disturbing twist. It takes a disturbing twist. And look what happens in verse 28. But when the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, he owed a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. Pay me back what you owe me. And already knowing that this servant has been forgiven, something inside of us bristles at that response. If you really take a look at it, if we, if we compare it, 10,000 bags of gold to, a, to what is it, 100 silver coins, 100 silver coins, 10,000 bags of gold, 150 million to what, 20, 40 bucks? That's how much he owed? And, and, and we bristle at that. And, and what does his fellow servant do? His fellow servant falls down on his knees and begs, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Boy, where did we hear that before? 
That's the same thing that first servant, the one with the $150 million debt, said to the king. Be patient with me. Be patient with me. So what would we expect in this story? You see, many of us already know where this is going because this is familiar. But for those of you that don't, what do you expect? Probably like me, what you expect is for the servant to follow suit. For the servant to say, you know what? I just had this huge debt forgiven. I forgive you too. You know what? Your debt is canceled. You don't owe me anything. You don't go on your way. You don't owe me anything. Do you know what the foundation for extending graces, the grace we've received. Jesus begins the story with a servant who owed more than he could ever pay back and grace that had been extended to cancel the debt as the very foundation as to why you and I should forgive. It's not on the merit of somebody else. It's not whether they deserve to be forgiven. It's not whether they deserve to have their debt canceled. It's not whether they, they, they have earned it or, or they, have, they have done something to earn. It is simply because of the grace you yourself has been, have received. Now, now, let me just pause for a moment, all right? Because I want to be sensitive here. I want to be sensitive for a moment because some of you have been hurt in unimaginable ways. Some of you have been offended. Some of you have been hurt. Some of you have been wronged. And it is not right and it is not fair. Aside from the king, if the story did not start with the king forgiving a huge debt that was owed to him, but simply started right here with this servant coming and a fellow servant owing him a hundred silver coins, and he said, you know what, you got to pay it back because I'm going I'm to lock you up. If, if it would have just simply started there, it would have been justified. Everything would have been okay. Nobody would have thought anything of it because absolutely there was a debt and that debt needed to be paid. Listen, your pain is real. What you have experienced is real. It hurts and it's real. Please know that I am not diminishing that whatsoever and nor does God. God knows the pain that you experience. He knows the hurt that you've been through. He knows the wrong that has been done to you. But the example that he shares is the very foundation of the story, and that is that our ability and our responsibility to receiving grace is to extend grace. It begins with how much God has forgiven us. But that's not what happened. Matthew 18, 30, he refused instead and went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. How unfair. How could he do that? And look what the community does. Matthew 18, 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went out and told the master everything that happened. Now, I don't know about you, but when I've read this story, a lot of times I blow right past that verse and get right to the end with the response of the king, and I, and I don't pause a moment. Do you see who tells the king? Who tells the king? Others in the community. Others in the community are upset. The other servants, you cannot dismiss the impact of a lack of grace in community and the lack of grace that it has on a community, not just an individual. When there is somebody that has received so much grace and mercy but does not extend that, it doesn't just harm that person or the other person, it harms an entire community. 
It harms a whole community. The other servants, listen, they were witnesses of the grace that the first servant had received. First of all, they saw how much he was racking up in debt and how benevolent and how much time the king had given. Secondly, they witnessed that when he came before the king, the grace that was extended to him, unmerited grace, the benevolency of this community cannot be ignored. These servants loved their king. These servants honored their king. These servants knew that their king was benevolent. And when they saw that there was not a benevolency that was given, that that virtue that they held was not extended, they were outraged by it. They were saddened by it. They were hurt by it. And, 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 and what we see here is that these fellow members were so outraged, they go and they tell the king. And in a story that is all about grace that needs to be extended, Kyle Eidelman in his book, Grace is Greater, points out that in this story, there is one section of this story where grace is not given. One section of the story where grace is not extended, and it's found here. It's found in the one who received grace but did not extend grace. And you say, well, why? Why is that so important? Why do we find in a story about grace, a lack of grace for a person who isn't gracious? That seems counterintuitive. But when you look at the life of Jesus who extended grace to so many people who came and extended grace to so many sinners, the people he did not extend grace to were the Pharisees and the religious leaders who would not extend grace themselves. And that theme continues to play out in the rest of this. You see, as a people in whom grace has been greatly forgiven, people who have been greatly forgiven, our church community ought to be a place, friends, where we extend grace to one another. This ought to be a grace-giving community. It ought to be a grace-giving community that the testimony of our love for one another ought to impact a community that is watching and a world that does not know how to extend grace to one another. In a world that doesn't know how to extend grace, in a world that, that is angry and outraged, in a world that is full of offense, the church community who has received an amazing grace of God ought to be a community that extends grace to one another. I want to go back to the verse that kicked this whole series off. Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. That's where we stopped. But that's only part of the verse. The second part of the verse says, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When we are not a community that extends grace, when we are not a people who extend grace, that we have received grace but do not extend it, it allows for bitter roots to begin to grow up. And when bitter roots begin to grow up, it causes division. It causes hurt. It causes division in families. How many families started because of a root of offense and someone who was unwilling to let go and it began to divide that entire family as people were, were asked to take sides? It's awfully quiet in here. It happens in families. It happens in workplaces. It happens in the church and it shouldn't and it's even happening in our nation. So what do the fellow servants do? They, they, they go and tell the king. Can I just pause for a moment? This came up in the first service. It is not in my notes. All right, I just want you to know this is of the Holy Spirit. I, I really believe it. 
You know what the servants who are upset and outraged do? They tell the king. You know what we do? We go find somebody else we can tell it to. And we sew it over here and we sew it over there. And oh, did you see that? Did you see what that person did? You know how that person hurt me? Can you believe they hurt me like that? And somebody who has no business knowing any of that information doesn't even know any of in the name of prayer. Oh, we're going to pray about it. It's a prayer request. It sows division. I'm not saying there's not a time to seek counsel, but friends, I'm going to tell you that more times, rather than taking the offense to God, you and I take the offense to one another. And it divides. It divides. It's not grace giving. The servants report to the king. Talk to the king. Talk to the king. Talk to the king. Because here's what the king does. Here it is. Verse 32. Then the master called the servants in. You wicked servant. Now he's wicked. He had grace received, but when grace wasn't given, you wicked servant. Understand something. When you don't extend grace, it is sin. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owes. And we want to go, wow, the king was harsh. Boy, the king was harsh. No, the king was compassionate and benevolent. But the responsibility towards the benevolence and the grace that he received was not given. And just like the servants, the king is equally outraged. God is holy. God is just, friends. Let's not presume on the grace of God. The grace of God is available to you, but you have a responsibility to extend grace. And when you don't, listen, God is not happy. He handed him over. This time, he didn't sell him. He handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Let me tell you something. When you don't forgive, when you hold it inside, when you hang on to bitterness and you don't forgive, you're the one that's tortured. You're the one that's tortured. That's the reality. And verse 35 puts the stamp on it. This is how your heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. When we don't extend grace, it impacts us. It impacts the grace and mercy we receive from the Father. And Jesus gave this warning in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people their sin, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Do you read that? That's serious business. God has forgiven your sins and your offenses, and you can't keep track of others. Love keeps no record of wrongs. If you hold on to hurt and bitterness and anger, it will turn to hatred. It will ruin you, and it will poison the relationships around you. I want to go back to the story for a moment. Remember, the servant who is now locked up and tortured, he owed $150 million. It was forgiven, but now he's back, and you're going to pay back the debt in full. Remember that? Because he didn't forgive his, his brother who owed like 20, 30 bucks to him in comparison. And what's interesting is in the ancient world, the person who had to pay for somebody they wanted, the person who wanted somebody thrown in prison for a debt had to pay for it. The other guy is a debt. He can't pay for it. The person who wanted him in jail had to, had to pay for it. Yeah, you heard that right. The $150 million debt guy 
who, who was forgiven refused to forgive the debt of the 20, 30, uh, uh, 20 debt guy, and, and, and he had to pay to have him punished. You know what that tells me? That not only did refusing to forgive get him back what he owed, but it ended up costing him even more. When you don't forgive, there's a price to it. When you don't forgive, it costs you something. It costs you something. It costs you peace. It costs you joy. There's a cost to it in your relationships when you don't extend grace. There is a cost to it. There is a cost to it. Some of you deal with your temper because you won't forgive. Some of you deal with anxiety because you won't forgive. Some of you, some of you deal with, with, with addiction because you won't forgive. You, there is, if you really take it back, the real problem and why you have to medicate, the real problem and why you're anxious, the real problem and why you're depressed and you can't find joy is because there is something inside that you refuse to let go of and you say, I'm going to make them pay. I know, Tim Misney just comes up in your mind, right? I'll make them pay. Seriously. That is what this parable is talking about. That is what Jesus is telling us. And, and listen, I, I get the pain and the hurt, and it's hard, but the toll is much greater for you. Because you have to go back to the very foundation of the entire thing. And the foundation of the entire thing is how much we've been forgiven. It's the amazing grace that we've received. Without that, then we should make them pay. Without that, then there should be justice. But Jesus Christ, who paid for your sin, who died for your sin, who was redeemed for your sin, has also been redeemed for the sins that have been done against you. And so you've got to learn how to turn it over to him. You've got to learn how to turn it over to the God who is the judge and who is just and who can handle it. Because you'll always extend more punishment than is ever deserved. Let's be honest. In this debtor type of relationship, that's what we're talking about. Sin, sin, offense, hurt. It makes a, a relationship, a debtor relationship. Ask yourself, the worst wound that has ever happened to you, what could the person do that would possibly make up for the pain that they've caused you? What could they do? How much could they do? How much could they pay? How many good things do they have to do to you before it undoes the bad thing that they did to you? Does it ever really? No, it doesn't. Because just like in the, in the parable, the debt they have against you cannot be, for, cannot be taken care of by a, a number of good works and a number of good things. It only is, is taken care of when you turn it over to Jesus. And you do what Jesus did. And you say, I forgive you. I know some of you are pushing back. Trust is different than forgiveness. You can set boundaries. You should set boundaries. Trust is something that does need to be earned. But forgiveness, forgiveness is just I cancel the debt. I cancel the debt. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. You see, friends, the response to grace, the responsibility we have to grace, the response to God's unmerited favor towards us, the response to his undeserved goodness to us, the response to his grace to us is to extend grace. 
when we refuse to forgive and extend grace, when we continue to hold on to the debt that has been owed, we end up paying the price. The response to grace is to extend grace. And so some of you, you need to extend grace, but let me pause for a moment because some of you have never surrendered your life to Christ and you've never had your debt paid. You've never had your sin debt paid. The ledger has just racked up and racked up and racked up and religiously you've tried to do religious things or you tried to do good works or you've tried to do this or you tried to convince yourself, I'm not a bad person. Let me tell you something. When you stand before God on judgment day and that ledger of your debt and all of your sin is before God, what is your response going to be? Anything other than I ask Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin. I ask Jesus for his grace in my life. Everything else falls short. Everything else is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. I don't care how many times you came to church. If your response is, well, I went to church all of my life, and I was faithful, and I never missed a Sunday, and I never missed a Wednesday, and I was there for every prayer meeting, but it's not because of the grace of Jesus Christ, then you're relying on your works, and you're not relying on his grace. It is by his grace that we are saved. And some of you need to receive the grace of God. Some of you need to repent of your sin. You need to fall on your knees like the servant did. And you need to ask God for his mercy and his grace. And let me tell you something. When you do, you will experience freedom in your life. That is the only way to extend grace is when you receive grace and you recognize how much you've been loved and forgiven. For those that are forgiven much, love much. So is there anyone here today, just unabashedly, you would just say, anybody watching online, you can respond as well. And you would say, you know what? I need his forgiveness. I need to receive the grace of God in my life. I'm going to ask you to be bold. Raise up your hand. I need to receive his grace. I need his forgiveness. I need his mercy. Thank you. I need, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, let's, I want you to pray with me right now. If you raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, but you need God's grace, maybe you just didn't want to raise it up, but you, you know that you have not received God's grace. You know you have not received his forgiveness for your sin in your life, and today you want to give your life to Christ, or maybe, maybe you prayed this prayer at one time, but you have walked away, and today you want to rededicate your life. Come on, pray with me right now. If you're online, pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, we thank you today for your amazing grace. We come to you. As a servant with a great debt, a sin debt that we cannot pay back. And we ask you today for your forgiveness, for your mercy, and for your grace. Jesus, come into my life today. Cleanse me. Make me new. Transform me by your spirit. Thank you for canceling my debt today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, will you tell somebody? Will you email us? If you watch it online, info at PainesvilleAG.com or go on our app and say, I made a decision today. Will you fill out that decision card and let us know the decision that you made to follow Christ so we can come alongside of you today? Secondly, if you're here today, and I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads one more time because this is private, but I want to ask you right now, Is there somebody that you need to extend forgiveness to, but you're struggling because you've been hurt so bad, and you just are struggling with 
with being able to forgive today. And today you just want the, 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 the Lord to just help you to be able to release that debt and to forgive. If that's you, will you slip up your hand today? I want to pray with you. Come on, I need, there's somebody I need to forgive. I'm struggling to forgive. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe you're struggling to forgive yourself. You're struggling to receive grace yourself. Yeah. Father, right now, you see those with their hands raised right now. Jesus, I just ask you to come alongside of us. God, remind us of how much we've been forgiven. Remind us, God, of the grace that you've extended to each and every one of us today. And Father, help us to be able to to forgive and cancel that debt. Father, I pray that you would heal the pain. There is pain associated. And Lord, there are those that are hurting. There are those that are in pain. There are those, Lord, who have legitimately been wronged. And today, God, we don't take vengeance, but we turn it over to you. We turn the debt over to you. We put it on the ledger, God, to you. And we ask you, Lord, to empower us today through your Holy Spirit to extend grace and to forgive, to release the debt in Jesus' name. To release that debt in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.